Well, last night we had an opportunity, my family and I, to uh, connect through Skype to our daughter and son-in-law who are in Prague at the moment, trying to enjoy a white Christmas, which hasn't arrived yet. Uh, apparently, Europe's been having these wonderfully warm and mild Christmas the last few years. Uh, they took a little journey a couple of days ago up to Nuremberg in Germany, and there they uh, got involved with the Christmas celebrations in the evening at the night markets, and they noticed that there were lots of carp for sale. And uh, carp in this part of the world is a tradition to eat carp on Christmas Day. And so the story goes, according to the neighbours that they're, they're neighbouring with, is that families take the carp, put it in the bath, and feed it. And then it's Dad's job the night before Christmas to do the deed on the carp, and uh, Mum cooks it for, for lunch the next day. But the neighbour then went on to say that because the carp lives in the bath, uh, the children become rather attached to the carp, and so tradition has it that you either eat the carp or you rush it down to the river and give it a quick escape with the whole family. Uh, otherwise, there's too many tears on Christmas Day as the carp is digested. So there's a little, a little understanding of uh, some European traditions. Um, just recently, in the last few weeks, uh, Michaela and I and Caleb uh, were up in Chicago. And we arrived in Thanksgiving Day, which is a Thursday, and the first Thursday of, sorry, the last Thursday of November. And we arrived on this given day, and of course this is the beginning for Christmas celebrations in the United States. And what we noticed over the 10 days that we were there is that families were starting to build their Christmas celebrations by getting up all of these different uh, decorations around their, their houses. And we came across this one particular house in a suburb called Naperville. And uh, we were told that this house was quite a favorite on the street. And uh, what was going on to the house right next door was, was this. <laughs> now you gotta work it out for yourself whether you're saying, I just can't compete and I give up, or I'm so impressed with my neighbor I gotta draw attention to this house next door. But it's one of those things where you don't know whether the guy's surrendered or cynical, uh, surrendered to his neighbor's efforts or cynical about the whole thing. But what we can say about Christmas is that we can easily end up in one of those camps, surrendered to the story or cynical about the whole event. And uh, what we want to do today is just touch on the story uh, we won't be keeping you long, but we want to be able to touch and recap the story today because we know that cynical or surrendered is what we're about today. The story is, of course, a simple story, and yet it's complicated. A simple story because we have the birth of a child. Complicated because we have a virgin, we have angels, we have no place to stay. The story in itself is a, a natural story, again, a young couple with a baby is not an unnatural thing to come across. But of course, there's the supernatural. There's stars in the sky, there are wise men, magi, turning up. And so the story has this element about it which is supernatural and natural, and you can be surrendered to it or you can be cynical about it. But what I want to do this morning is touch on some prophecies. A prophecy is uh, the foretelling of an event that was going to happen. And I'm taking these prophecies this morning from Isaiah the prophet. Isaiah was on the, on the earth 800 years before Jesus 
came to our earth. So we're looking at 800 years before Christ. This prophet spoke of things to come. And he said this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. The thing about a prophecy is that you don't really know what period of time it's being projected into. And so the Jewish nation was awaiting this arrival of a king who would come from the line of King David, the genealogy of King David. And so for 800 years, 800 years, the people read the scriptures and tried to consider when this event was going to take place. And they knew that a man would come under the authority of God. And the very bottom line of this scripture that I just read to you says something that's quite, quite powerful. It says, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. In other words, God's passion and God's commitment to see this outworked is his greatest desire. And so when we talk about the birth of Christ at Bethlehem, what we're talking about this morning is the will of God in its highest form. For all the circumstances that were going on in and around the child being born, we know that the zeal of the Lord Almighty was going to accomplish this. But we also see in the book of Isaiah, a little bit further on, some other prophecies that talk about the nature and the character of this child, Jesus. And some of these really stir the heart. It says, Here is my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. And again, part of his character and his nature here is being described to us 800 years before his arrival. And again, the bottom line there is the giveaway, because it talks about a person in common times being an uncommon person. To be heard was to be loud. To be heard was to be loud in the day. No Facebook, no internet, no email, no Twitter, no Instagram. So to be heard was to be in the street, and to be in the street was to be loud. What we know of Jesus and his ministry is that he drew a crowd without being loud. He drew a crowd because of his love and his compassion. He drew a crowd because of the miracles and the wise words, the healing of people who were sick, the deliverance of those who were spiritually possessed. The only time that we know that he spoke with any uh, great volume was the Sermon on the Mount, because he was on a, on a hill. But in the streets, as this prophecy says, he was so different because no one would be able to hear him yelling. And this in itself defines his character. Jesus, meek and mild, yes, and as a man, he was the same. He was mild in his mannerisms, and the prophet spoke of these. Furthermore, it's said of him that a bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. I love this picture of a bruised reed. It's always captured my attention. I just got these from the garden this morning. But uh, a bruised reed 
It's like a, a bruised stem on a flower, isn't it? And we know that once it's bruised, it's all but broken. And think about our own journey with God or our own spiritual journey through life is that we can have events in our lives where we feel distant from God. We feel that we're, we're bruised, not completely broken, but certainly bruised. And do we stand as tall as we once did? No, we don't. Have we got the confidence in God we once had? No, we don't. Do we go down the cynical side of life? Yes, we do. And what we're told by Isaiah the prophet is that this bruised reed, which sits so vulnerable now to just being simply broken and snapped off, he won't do that. He won't do that. You see, the Jesus that we worship the birth of this morning is the one of the resurrection. And so, excuse my simple medicinal ways here. There's a doctor in the house. Don't take any lessons from this. But Jesus is the one who strengthens our bruises. Jesus is the one who takes our weaknesses and he says, I'll own that for you. I'll take that for you. I'll heal that for you. And yes, there'll be an obvious sign that I'm in your life, but you'll be able to stand tall once again. For some of you this morning, the simple act of being here at church is moving you from a cynical place into a place of hope where you're saying, I'm just not so sure about this. I'm just not so sure about this Jesus stuff. And maybe previous church experience, you might have been bruised on the verge of breaking. But Jesus said, I will not break you even though you're bruised. And in the same way, he says, he will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth. In his teaching, the islands will put their hope. This is the final word of this prophecy. Fascinating thing about the islands, when we're talking about the place from which this prophecy was spoken in the middle of Israel, the islands were the far corners of the earth. And so Isaiah the prophet could see not only a child being born, but the message of this child going to the ends of the earth. And here we are in New Zealand, pretty much the ends of the earth, best place in the world, but the ends of the earth. And the message of Christ is known to us. And we come back to Isaiah's first prophecy, which says, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. In other words, the moral fiber of our nation within the West is built upon the moral fiber and the moral principles of Christianity. Well, I'm going to switch it over a little bit and introduce us to another prophetic character, Linus. Linus. Linus of Charlie Brown fame. Linus is the one with the blanket sucking his thumb. Linus has always got a blanket and he's always sucking his thumb. Movies have been made about Charlie Brown and how Linus loses his blanket and how Snoopy the dog has buried it and how... uh, Paddy, his, uh, his nemesis, his steals it in the hope that he'll grow up one day and be able to live his life without his blanket. Sometimes we need a blanket. Sometimes we need something to hold on to. But I want to show you now a little video 
of Linus explaining Christmas. And I want you to watch what he does with his blanket. Everything I do turns into a disaster. I guess I really don't know what Christmas is all about. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. You notice that he's holding his blanket, and then when he quotes what the angels said to the shepherds, when they say, fear not, for I am with you, he lets go his blanket. The simple reason why Christ came into this world is so that we would fear not. Fear not about our future, fear not about death, fear not about eternity, but know that God is with us. Let me pray. Fear not, for I am with you. The angel cried to the shepherd. Lord, we are the shepherd of your sheep. We are ourselves sheep of your pasture. And Lord, we thank you that uh, as we come to Christmas, we look inside this, this little manger and we see a child born. And there in the child's eyes are the words saying, fear not, for I am with you. For I am God who is broken out of eternity, prophesied by Isaiah 800 years before. And now I am with you. I am Emmanuel, God with us. So Father, as we go about our celebrations today, as we eat, as we reconnect with family, as we hug and handshake, as we exchange gifts and greetings, may that overarching sense of your peace be with us. Because we've been told that we have no need for fear. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.